Do you want to hear about great work happening in schools around the world? Just Schools are life-giving places that address feedback, engagement, and well-being for each student. Dr. John Eckert digs deep into the current educational landscape with research, experience, and a good dose of humor and humility. Join us in the desire to do justice, love kindness, and walk with confident humility. Get inspired with stories of improvement in the profession that makes all others possible. We're excited for you here today from a really humble, godly leader in Kansas who does amazing work. And the way he talks about things, it's so understated and he's very quiet and doesn't get super animated about things. Uh, and he's just been through a really tough day when we had this conversation and still the way he talks about leadership and the way he invites others in, I think is a powerful reminder that when we do this work with others, the work doesn't have to be lonely. There are lonely decisions and he had to make a pretty tough, lonely decision the day we were talking. But I love the fact that he invites others in and he has colleagues that make the job of leadership a communal event. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with John Walker. Welcome back to Just Schools. Today, we're here with one of my favorite leaders from Kansas. Uh, So John Walker is coming to us. He's a head of school there and does amazing work with uh, some outstanding educators. I got a chance to be with them uh, this year, and it was a true blessing uh, the week right before uh, well, the week of Thanksgiving on the Monday for Thanksgiving, I got to be with his team and a number of other teams. So uh, it's great to have John with us. So John, give us a little bit of background. What got you into this role? It's a little bit of a non-traditional route. So can you tell <laughs> us how you got to where you're at and then uh, welcome in? Sure. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah. So uh, my my background is that I, I went to uh, public school growing up, uh, went to public school K through 12 and my first two years in college. And I uh, did not necessarily enjoy my educational experience, uh, K-12, and then also uh, my first two years in Juke. I worked for a couple of years in construction as a land surveyor, and I just thought, you know, I, I, I got saved when I was 19 years old, and that really changed the trajectory of my life and my outlook on things. And uh, long story short, my, my, uh, my wife and I got married when I was 20, and at age 22, uh, we had been praying about two years about possibly going to Bible college. And uh, so uh, the Lord was kind in his providence to allow us to do that. And we went to Emmaus Bible College in Dubuque, Iowa. And I fell in love with the small classroom size, uh, biblical worldview integration, all the things that a Christian school, Christian college uh, provides for their student. And uh, as a student there, uh, we, we were there for two and a half years where I earned my bachelor's degree. And I knew that this was the work that the Lord was calling to, calling me to, that the Lord was calling me to work uh, in Christian education. And so as soon as I graduated from Emmaus Bible College, I went on and earned my master's degree in higher education student affairs through Regent University and uh, went on to earn a, a doctorate in, in higher education leadership as well and worked in higher education for four or five years before coming to Central Christian School, where I'm at currently serving as the superintendent. And uh, it's, it's fun. Uh, I, I'm, I'm the superintendent of, a, of my hometown school, uh, Christian school. So it's fun to be back home, close to family. And it, it really is a blessing to be here. 
And, uh, you know, when I, when you ask, how did I get here? Uh, I was serving on the board of trustees at Central Christian School. And uh, the school is going through a transition period. And uh, uh, one of the board members approached me about considering that as a, as, as a job for me. And so my wife and I spent a considerable amount of time praying about it, thinking on it. And it seemed like the Lord was blessing that and wanted us to do that. So I've been here for two and a half years now uh, into my third school year. That's amazing. So one of the things I love about you is you went and got a terminal degree and then you decided you wanted to be a better school leader. And so you joined our master's program in school leadership here at Baylor. And so there's a humility that comes with that, which I think having gotten to know you, I see that kind of confident humility in knowing that Christ is at the core of what you're doing. And you don't have to have all the answers because that's your identity is not in your performance. And so I think that's a great starting point for you. But one of the things that I've appreciated about you and that you've shared is you do lead vulnerably and invite people in to messy, hard conversations and build leadership that way. So I wonder if you could share just uh, an example of how you've led as a superintendent uh, in a way that has been vulnerable, that's paid some dividends for your school. Well, uh, uh, I don't have it all together. <laughs> so I think, I think, I think starting with that out in the out front, like, uh, I think from a worldly perspective, I would really like to have it all together. Right. I'd, yep. I'd love yep. to have the most obedient children. I'd love to have no problems in the workplace. I would love to have nothing but rainbows and unicorns. Um, you know, but that just doesn't happen. I don't have it all together. I'm, I'm a sinner saved by grace, seeking to uh, do an excellent job with the gifts and abilities that God's given me and the team that the Lord has provided for me. Uh, so here recently, uh, the last week and a half, for example, um, my my oldest child, who is 10, he and I have uh, somewhat been butting heads. And so uh, when I was meeting with my executive leadership team recently, um, I, I was asking for their input, asking for their advice on on what I could be doing better as a parent. Uh, what what can I be doing at the school? Um, going to my my son's fourth grade teacher and telling her I don't have it all figured out and I need help. Is there something that you can help me understand in his life and how I can shepherd his heart and his mind towards the right things? That's not necessarily like a fun thing to do because. Again, from a worldly perspective, I want to have it all together. I want to look like I um, have it all together, but I don't. I need I need the support. I need the help from other godly men and women in my life who are seeking to shepherd my heart and my mind and my children's hearts and their minds as well. And uh, so, you know, that's just one very small example of uh, being more vulnerable than what's comfortable, <laughs> you know, um, with my staff. But I tell you what, um, it's been really cool the last two and a half years that I've been here. We've invited our faculty and staff to, to, to share prayer requests. We've invited them to be a part of the problem-solving um, issues at our school. We've invited them into to having feedback into important issues at our school so that uh, we can pray about those things. And not, not that we'll always do what other people suggest. Um, but I think that there is a, a level of, uh, you know, here's here's the general direction. Here's what I think needs to happen. Now, could you give me some feedback on things that we could tweak or change so that we have a successful future? Because it's not about me. I'm not trying to build up an earthly kingdom here. 
It's not about even our school. It's about what the Lord is doing uh, through us in his school. Um, so we're just, again, just trying to lead vulnerably um, and encouraging others to do the same. Well, see, I think I've understood why you're ahead of school now, John. You, you just wanted a board of people to help you raise your children better. So you, know, you don't have <laughs> that. So. But I do think there is a vulnerability to, as a head of school, having your kids at the school with teachers who you supervise and evaluate, and you know, and they're the ones that are responsible for your kids. And they do have insights. We, we, they spend a lot of time with your kids. And so to be honest with them and, and not when you're child may not be performing exactly the way you want him to perform. There's not blame to the teacher. You're walking to the teacher as a partner. And that's a great model for your school community when the head of school is, is not putting blame somewhere else. Like, hey, why is my son not obeying me at home? What are you doing in the classroom? It's not, not work. So I, I think there's good humility there. So some of the, the hard discussions that you have to lean into as a school leader. So some of the big challenges your school faces, there's been huge opportunities for schools coming out of COVID and, and, and tw- this, this now is a time period where we can try new stuff, but a lot of leaders hesitate to bring people in to conversations because they have an idea where they want to go. And a benevolent dictator is a really efficient way to run a school. So mm-hmm. Why are you not the benevolent dictator? Why are you bringing them into messy conversations? And what's maybe an example of where you've done that that's, uh, again, paid some dividends for you all? Well, here, here's the reality. Uh, I, I don't have all the answers, and I know that about myself. So I think that's the first start in leading with vulnerability is realizing that I don't have all the answers. Um, and that's an okay place to be, you know? Uh, the reason that I have the team around me that I have is so that they can help help me figure out what's best for the school and how to best honor the Lord through our decisions. And so I want to invite, I need their advice. I need their input. Uh, I need their expertise because without it, what are you're, you're right. We're just a dictator, dictatorial uh, situation. Uh, a team would be the ones that uh, provide input, provide value to your team and can can help you solve problems. So the, the other part of it too, Dr. Eckert, is that, you know, I can't shoulder the burden of every single thing that's happening at our school. So there's even an aspect of carrying this burden with me and me carrying your burdens with you. So we're dealing with a situation right now that that is extremely challenging um, in our in our uh, community, and it's been very good for us to shoulder each other's burdens, to to bounce ideas off of each other, so we can problem solve in a way that number one honors Christ, but number two does so in such a way that we're building each other up and we're supporting each other. Otherwise, we will fall into the life sucking column where we're not finding joy in the work that we do, and we don't feel like we have any support. What we don't want to create is an environment where people feel like they're on islands doing the work by themselves. There's number one, there's no joy in working as a team if you're all by yourself. And number two, it's just not it's it's not how I think God has designed us to work. God has designed us to be in community with each other uh, and has given each other different giftings and abilities. And I want to leverage those gifts around me for the gifts that I do not have. Well, and so what would you say to heads of school and, and, and other leaders that say leadership is lonely and that's just a function of leadership? Uh, you don't seem to be describing lonely leadership. What, w- what would you say to those people? Oh, my. Uh, uh, 
it can feel that way if you isolate yourself on situations. So it, just just today alone, uh, I've contacted three school leaders to ask them how to help help me help me think through this situation. Can you help me think through how I should solve this problem? While also having invited my immediate executive team in on the situation as well and asking them to help me think through it. So I have been blessed to have a team of other school leaders around me who I can quickly call and they actually pick up when I call, which is a blessing and say, hey, I've got this situation. Can you help me think through this in a way that, again, honors Christ, but also helps our school and our community thrive and is a, a, a healthy choice? And so in some ways, ultimately, the, the burden does fall on your shoulders to make difficult decisions. But really, when you've built a community of, of other leaders around you who want to support you and want to help you, it makes that burden of, you know, feeling lonely and whatnot really disappear when you've invited them in like that. Well, and so my stipulation on that has always been that I feel like leadership does not have to be lonely, but I would acknowledge that there are decisions you have to make that feel pretty lonely because right. with all the advice you've brought in, at the end of the day, you're the one who's having to make the final decision on what you're going to do. And whatever way you go, it's a hard decision and you have to live that out. And I think that is the burden of leadership that there is, there are lonely decisions, but I do not believe leadership itself has to be lonely. Would you agree with that? Totally agree with that. And, and the, the, the burden of proof does, does lie squarely on my shoulders at the end of the day. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, also, I can I can give these things over to the Lord too. Like I think there's a there's a real opportunity to exercise faith and asking the Lord to come near. We have such a gracious God who's willing to come near, uh, who who intercedes for us, who wants to be close to us, who wants us to come to Him, and He's willing to draw near to us. So I think there's a level of comfort as well spiritually when the Lord Himself is saying, "I I want you to be close to me, and I want to be close to you," um, and and. You know, I, I, when we try to do things in our flesh, that's when we start to feel like things are very lonely. When we try to solve all the problems in our flesh, it makes it very challenging. No, that's, that's true. And again, people that are doing that are typically making their performance the source of their identity. And that's a really dangerous place to be for sure. So uh, I appreciate that humility and that answer. So uh, as you look at education in general, maybe in Kansas or, or more broadly, uh, what gets you excited about what you're seeing from your perspective as a leader? What what gets you like, hey, I th I think I'm I'm hopeful about this. What what do you see in the future? I see a lot of fruit in the lives of students. Um, that's that's honestly what gives me the most joy in the work that I get to do. One of the highlights of my day is is welcoming the elementary students to the school or welcoming the secondary students to our school. And holding the door open for them and saying good morning to them. I mean that that really is one of the highlights of my day because I can I can see their facial expressions, I can shake their hands, I can give them high fives, and I can notice when things are not maybe <laughs> the way that they would prefer it to be that day, you know. Um, and I can pick up on those things and I can ask difficult questions like, um, you know, is everything okay? Is everything all right? How can I help? Uh, how can I pray for you? Uh, so I think I, I think there's just been uh, a lot of joy in that for me. But getting back to your question, I I see a lot of fruit in the in the lives of our students. I think that there's a 
the, the parents that we have at our school are just amazing. We have amazing parents. And so when you've got this, you've got this group of people, parents, the church, the school, all coming together, seeking to shepherd the hearts and minds of young men and women, it really creates a beautiful community. That's not without sin and not without conflict, certainly. But I think that there's been one of the things that I, I've just witnessed at our school uh, specifically is, is, uh, is fruit in the lives of students. And I'm, when I say that, I'm talking about spiritual growth. I'm seeing spiritual growth. And I'm seeing students who are coming from other educational settings and coming to our school. And because of our amazing teachers and, and at times spent in, in those uh, classrooms and with those students, these students are now starting to flourish. They're starting to change. They're starting to open up to difficult conversations and fun conversations and everything else in between. From my tiny little school in Kansas, <laughs> I, I'm seeing a lot of fruit in the lives of students. And, and I guarantee you that there's fruit at other schools as well. Absolutely. Yeah, we're seeing that around the world. And, and again, our hope is always in our students that, that, that what the Lord's doing through us is going to have impact not because of us, but because of what he does through them, that we just get to walk alongside for a while and catalyze those gifts that they've already been given. And just as they feel becoming more of who they were created to be, sometimes more than they think they can be created to be, mm -hmm. uh, but they're certainly not surprising the Lord with what they do with those gifts that he's given them so generously. So uh, we always have, we always wrap up with a lightning round. So I'm going to start with this one. This has been my favorite question for a little while. What's your favorite book you've read in the last year? Could be education or otherwise. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by, is it James, James or John Mark Comer? John Mark Comer. Yeah. John Mark Comer, yeah. Yeah. That's a great book. That was a challenging one. That was kind of much <laughs> for me. I'm all about it all about productivity and it's like whoa that's not really what the it's not really what the lord teaches us so uh i, I thought uh, yeah that was a hard read for me but a good one what's the worst piece of advice you've had as a school leader oh the worst piece of advice boy that's a that's a tough one i would probably say letting other people fail let other people fail i i just i i don't I don't love the idea of letting other people fail. I understand it from a philosophical perspective, letting others fail so they can learn from it. But if if I've already failed in that area five times and I, I know how to instruct you and help you, there's no reason to let you fail when I'm when I can be of help. Uh, and so I, I don't I don't know that I agree with that piece of advice. Uh, yeah, certainly if it's going to harm children too. I mean, it's just a lost lesson because you're like, hey, I know this is what's going to come and I know this isn't going to go well. I've tried. Uh, you know, you, you want to give people the opportunity to innovate, but certainly uh, when you know failure is imminent, <laughs> it's <Right>. best to <laughs> help save those kids that do not need to be the victim of that coach or teacher's failure. Uh, the best piece of advice you've ever received? The best piece of advice that I've ever received has got to be building a community of other educational leaders around myself mm. who can pour into me, who are older and wiser than me, um, who can help me when I don't have all the answers and I'm dealing with difficult situations that have been there, they've done it. And not only will they support me, but they'll support me spiritually as well. I think the, the best piece of advice I've ever gotten professionally is surrounding myself with uh, godly men and women who are educational leaders and and who are doing the work that I'm doing 
and have experience doing it. Love that answer. If you had, and this is our last question, if you had to sum up what you hope for education in the next year, what would be the word you would use for your best hope? What word would characterize your most optimistic view of education in the coming year? Affectionate. Ah, great, great word. I would, I would love to see uh, schools and students flourish because there is affection towards one another and brotherly love. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think we can have affection towards our teachers as students. And I think teachers can have affection towards their students. And uh, when that's happening, I think you're having a flourishing culture and environment uh, that, that can lead to success. Well, and I think that's a much better way to lead to better outcomes for kids and trying to avoid things. We want them to have their affection stirred for the things that matter. And when they do that, then the things that are not of the Lord, they fall away. And so I I love that was not a word I was expecting, but (laughs) affectionate, great, great word. Well, John, thank you for spending some time with us. Thanks for your leadership. I really appreciate uh, the way you lead and you being willing to share with us today. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with John. He really thinks through the answers. I wish you could have seen the way he was expressing the thoughts that he had. But again, a reminder to you, leadership does not have to be lonely. And people that talk about leadership as being lonely oftentimes have a tough way of looking at it where they're not really being catalysts. They're making the work about them, even when they don't intend to. And so as we lead with each other in the profession that makes all of this possible, it's a lot more life-giving when we can walk that road with others, even when we have to make those tough, lonely decisions. But just continue to invite other people into that hard work, their insights, the collective intelligence of the and wisdom of the group always makes us better, even when we have to make a tough decision that may require us to go against what everybody else may want, but we can still gain wisdom and insight into why things may or may not work. Have a great week and hope that you continue to enjoy the work that we get to do in this profession that makes all others possible. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Baylor Center for School Leadership.